Oh, now's the time for the leader to qualify, qualify slowly and clearly. I'm Lillian and I'm a compulsive overeater. I will do my best to speak coherently. <laughs> um, I first came here something like 44 years ago. Shocking, shocking that it is to me every time I say it. Um, and I had moved here from New York and I don't want to do a whole lot of before and what got me here because I know the important thing for us all is what happened once we came. So I'll attempt to be concise. It's really not easy. Um, and I was raised as the poster child for good eaters. I was the only child. My parents were older. They've had miscarriages and the stillborn. I was truly God's gift, if you can imagine. And so when we'd go out into the street, and this was in the Bronx, you know, and the mothers would come with the strollers and they'd all be moaning how their kids won't eat and they're so picky and they don't like anything. And my mother would say, oh, but Lily, she'll eat anything. And then chop, 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 chop. So obviously I grew up thinking cleaning your plate is the best thing you could do for your mother. And like if you're really good, you would do that. And it took a very long time to get past that. And somebody spoke recently and said, it wasn't fair to have, to have, not fair to have a Jewish mother and never be a terrible cook. It's like you've got the worst of it and the worst of it. And she was. And thank God, because who knows what I would have done if she was a good cook. But, um, Anyway, so I was always a little heavy, and in the, about the fifth grade, I was saying I had to go to the school nurse because I was having pains, and she said, well, you could lose a few pounds, you know, and she gave me this very nice practical diet, proteins and fruits and vegetables, and my mother said, thank you. And, well, you know, yes, we'll try and cook that way, but uh, when you're out, it doesn't count. You have Chinese food, it doesn't matter, and we were Jewish, so you could have pork and shrimp outside, but not in the house. I mean, all these things that... They believed and they grew up with and so of course I went along. Um, and then over the years, I always had weight issues, gained a little more. I wanted, I wanted to be a stewardess. This is really interesting. And then you used to have to weigh in. I couldn't make the weight cut, right? And I was acting. And in New York, in theater, that wasn't as big a deal as, as in film and stuff. Um, fortunately, I was 18 when I discovered I hated acting. I hated being on the stage. But I loved the industry so I could go on with that and not waste a lot of years trying to... Um, to, to act. So, you know, at one point I was accepted to a pro. This is talk about if we have resentment to our parents. I was accepted to a program, a very prestigious summer stock company, and I signed. And he said, and Your mother's fine with this? Yes, here's her signed sheet. I didn't know he'd been in this a while. He called my mother. And, and she said, What? Pencil that way, my sugar? What are you crazy? That was the end of that. I think I got past that maybe 30 years later or so. Um, but things like that would happen. And in much later years, partly through the program and therapy, you just didn't mean it. That was they thought was right. You don't let your daughter go off to some place you don't know or anything. Um, but it didn't stop me from moving out as soon as I could. So it was like 18 or so and moved into the city and went to work and was trying the Cosmo diets and all these different diets. And they all were great if you follow them. You know, there was that damn if you follow them. And so I would follow them and I would be rigorous because we're compulsive until anything came along to blow it. Any temptation, someone have this, you have to eat that. Okay. And it was over. And at one point, there was a program at Columbia University where you go to a, psych, a psychoanalyst. I mean, like, sort of, to me, the highest level of shrink. And we twice a week in the private office. And we would talk. And we had lovely visits and all. I don't think I lost a pound the whole time I did it. I'm sure it was very helpful to me in some areas. But I don't recall weight having it's done anything. So when I came out here, I moved here in my 20s and met somebody early on at a party in the kitchen, naturally. And we were talking and said, oh, this looks so good. Oh, I can't eat that. And this guy, like the light must have gone on. I said, oh, do I have one good one here? So we told you about the Sunday meeting we used to have in Westwood. It was great. And I went and, and started becoming involved. Because the first thing I noticed is that there were people of all shapes and sizes. And in my world, most people were thin. 
you know. Um, so I wasn't, and I felt weird. And here there was a spectrum of everything. So I felt better, and I got involved, and we used to have a diet plan that we don't do anymore. I think we figured out we're not doctors, and, you know. Um, and it was very practical, like the New York Board of Education. Proteins, fruits, vegetables, moderate, moderate eating and all. And so I said, okay, I'll do this moderate eating. I'm, I'm not going to weigh a measure. And fortunately, I went out to dinner with some OA friends. I said, what are you eating? I said, well, I'm on a moderate food plan. And they said, yeah, if you were 400 pounds, that would be a moderate meal. But you're not. What are you doing? So then, okay, so then I started weighing and measuring. At one point, I got down to a weight that I was so excited, and I ran up on the roof with friends, and we took pictures in a bikini and an outfit. Oh, my God. It was as though within me I knew that I wasn't staying there. <laughs> and, like, I wanted documentation that I had been there, at least. Um, and so I should probably give out those pictures. And the, I'm sorry, I didn't bring pictures today, but... Uh, it's just me with a few more layers was the fat side. Um, at any rate, so then I was out of town uh, for about six months working on something, gained 50 pounds, right back to where I was, came back, said, I'll lose some weight, then I'll go back. Well, you know, that doesn't happen. So, and for newcomers, I don't want to scare you. We all just share our own personal experience, strength, and hope. And some people come in, and from day one, they get it. It hits whatever it takes. So this is just my own personal story. Um, so I came back, I got back on the program and I was struggling and I would lose and I'd abstain and then I wouldn't and, and the why of it, I don't know. This went on for a couple of years. Then I left the program, was out of the country for a while and I got married and had kids. I took a 15 year hiatus. I was like gone. I would drop into a meeting once in a while and it's not a program you can do that with. You can't do this during the week and take off on weekends, you know? Which is, I hear sometimes on the television, and I want to scream. And I know there are some that, and it works for people. I'm not putting any of them down, except for me. Um, they don't work. So, I finally came back. I was getting divorced, and one of my kids was in summer camp. And well, at summer school, everybody, everyone was, all my excuses were gone. And I had dinner with an old friend who said, what happened to you? You look like shit. You really got fat. What are you wearing? What's going on? And to this day, I am grateful to him. He's passed away since then, but not, not at my hands. Um, and the next day, I was at an OA meeting because I knew from all of those years that that was the one thing that truly worked within. And I got the toughest sponsor I could. It was July 3rd, 92. And the next day, I was going to the Hollywood Bowl, and I just, please, God, I can make it through that. And you know, when you really want it, you really want it. I took my chicken breast and my carrots and my celery sticks and diet soda, um, and all the stuff that was being passed around, just, you know, you have this. And I, and I thought, if I can make it through this, with everything under my nose, I can do anything. And I still feel that way, because that night went fine. I lost it from 225 down to around 170-ish or so. So it was maybe over a year or so. And at that point, I can't see the difference between then and when I was here before. But it's just, I, what I think is I totally accept it inside, not intellectually, and not, yeah, I know, if you eat too much, you get fat. If you eat less, you'll be better and exercise and drink water and be healthy. But I totally accepted the concept that I was a compulsive overeater and that I really couldn't handle these foods. And I think I had always before felt, yeah, I'll get through this, I'll go through this event, you know, and I'll make it, and then I'll be fine. <clears throat> I know, like, some people come in and think, well, I'll graduate, and then I'm all right. And in a sense, graduation is reaching your goal weight. And then you're maintaining. 
and then you might work things differently. You might add things little by little and see if you have a reaction or not. I'm not suggesting it. I'm just saying if you have a sponsor, and of course you get a sponsor right away, you have someone to talk to because that's the person that's the link sort of to us to the higher power and to God and to someone to keep us honest, you know. Um, anyway, so I came back and I was um, in the valley at that time. And there were lots of strong, great meetings out there. And I was going religiously several meetings a week and working the steps. And it was the tools. It was writing. It was telephone calls. It was all of the things that are suggested. In the, and it was reading every day. That's what I do now. I have two books that I read. Um, one is the OA for Today and one is the Hazelden. I don't know if it's ours, but it's great. So the two of them get me started. And then I'll say some prayers. And sometimes it's as simple as just get me through the day. Because I know I have to like take that beat in the morning. Not only about food, but other things that we're doing in the day affect my food. I'm going to be here. Oh, I'm not Excuse me. I'm just going to... My throat is geared to three minutes. <laughs> I guess we on that. Um, anyway, so then I start seriously working the program from within. And not just taking, doing the motions and taking the actions and eating right. And I was weighing and measuring and calling it in every day. And after a while, I mean, a couple of years, a while, you'd stop calling it in all the time. Or I did. And maybe you call it in sometime. <clears throat> or you call it in on days when I wasn't sure or when I had problems or issues. Or I don't know how to handle this. And what you learn over all those years is if your head's in the right place, nothing really is going to make you compulsively overeat. Because before you put that in your mouth, there's a whole process that has to happen. You think it, you feel it, you move, you reach, you do. There's lots of steps along the way where you can just stop um, and take a beat, you know. And that's what I would do. Either you take some water, you take a soda, you take whatever you can that doesn't have calories. And you go on. And it's amazing how that works. Again, if your head's in the right place. And if it isn't, you know, the least little things, ooh, that looks good, you're done. Um, and when I would think about how I would pick my kids up from school, and I'd know what time I had to be there, and I'd go, there was a, well, I won't dwell on the food, there was a frozen yogurt place, and they had some thing there that I loved. So I'd say, oh, it's right on, oh, I'll be 10 minutes late, oh, that's okay. And I'd think, shame on you! You know, and I would stop and I would have something, and it was fine, they weren't, like, deserted. I mean, I knew I would just be later in the line. But, I mean, so many things that we do, <laughs> and later on, when you sort of get some clarity, and I was truly working the program, and I would think, how could I have done that? And you know that feeling of waking up in the morning and saying, oh, Jesus, did I really eat all that? Did I really do that? And you know, when you'd say, I'm going to throw this out. Well, if you throw it in the wastebasket in your house, come on, what is that? You know, if it doesn't go outside into a dumpster and really far away, it doesn't matter. It's much too accessible. And now I have some junk stuff in my house that's there in the bowl, like wraps. You don't keep unwrapped. But it's wrapped, it's in a bowl, and it's like, it's like, um, nothing. It's like decoration. I mean, it's a wrap, but it's been 22 years, 23 years, 22 years over. Um, that after a while, you figure you've got to start being able to be comfortable living with food because we're not on an island and we can't totally shelter ourselves in a box. But, again, it all comes from here. I'm sorry, and my spiritual program isn't probably the strongest. I've always believed in God. I mean, even growing up, so that wasn't an adjustment for me. And because I believed in God because I just couldn't accept the fact that we're it, that there is nothing big or higher anywhere than us. We are just it running around amok on the planet. So, changing it into a higher power was fine. 
because we know that there's something. And miraculous things happen in the program, and I wish I had better examples that I could give you. But situations where I know God is speaking through me, that it isn't me. And the silliest ones, and I'm sorry if you heard it, is, is once when I was working in an office building that had valley parking, and you've got to park the cars, and you go up to the office, and they're calling this, oh, there's a man with a brand new black Mercedes. He said, you dented it, and you said, what? You have to come down right now. So I go down, and the parking and I are looking. We can't see anything. I said, oh, I'll call him when I get back. And then no, you have to call him right now. <laughs> I'm really pissed, okay? And I call him, and in my head, you can imagine what I'm about to say. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And I said, oh, I'm so sorry about your car. Please take you know, anything that you need. You just tell me. And I'm listening. I'm thinking, who is this talking? And this is, this is not God talking through me. I don't know what it is, because that was not how I felt. And it just says, and we had a lovely conversation, and that was the end of it. But I thought, if I had gone my way, it would have been a whole other story. And it's like a stupid little example, but it's just one of so many situations. And really, I'm just really trying to think of others where if I had done my will and what I wanted to do, uh, it would have been disastrous. Is it five, ten? Um, anyway, I, I'm really trying hard to think because I know there were so many things that happened over the years. And part of it is from right. I would call my sponsor. So, oh, my God, this is this dilemma. I don't know what to do. Did you write about it? No. So write about it. Call me back. And very often we know what the tools are. And we know what the things are that we're supposed to do. But I shouldn't say we. It's much easier for me to say we. I. I said, I. I don't know about you. But I don't turn to God or to a higher power until I'm against the wall. If I can think of other ways or other things to do and keep going and going because I am so afraid of the expression, well, I try and I turn it over. Well, turn it over, it sounds to me like the biggest cop out. Yeah, I turned it over. I'm waiting. You know, to me, before you get to turning it over, it's like we have to exhaust every option, every possibility, do everything we can think of. And then I know that I'm out. I, I got nothing left and turn it over. But it's the same. These certain phrases and expressions he was in these make me nervous. When people say, you know, who have been abstaining for 10, 20, 30 years, say, it's not perfect. Not perfect. And I think, well, if I've been abstaining, I'm not perfect in my food plan. You know, there are two different things to me. My abstinence is the things that I abstain from, period. Which, for me, it's sugars and breads and dollars desserts and all of those things. There's very little that's borderline that is it or isn't it. You know, and again, if we aren't sure, it isn't. And you just don't have it. And then there's the food plan. And I don't always make the best choices. And I can have less carbs. And I can have more green. The more the green foods instead of those brown foods with the gravies and the syrups and the potatoes and the meat and all of that. And, and so that's something we have choices with. In some ways, I feel like you almost become a normal eater. If I eliminate all those foods that I can't handle, and there's a lot of them, and just take them away, their history, goodbye. No matter how people say, you must have, you must have a taste, you must have a bite. I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and I'll say, you have it. I tasted it. a little more chocolate, a little more this, a little more that. So what? I tasted it in enough combinations. I know what it tastes like. I remember the last chocolate peanut butter donut I had 24 years ago. I mean, I remember the taste. I don't have to do it again. And the thing is, I can't say, not being an expert, how much of compulsive overeating is physical, chemical, emotional, spiritual. I don't know. So I just, I just don't have to know. As long as I treat it for myself and with help, that these things I don't deal with. And if I, again, it's the one day at a time. 
If someone said 23 years ago, you're never going to have chocolate and ice creams and all your favorite foods, I would have just left. I would have said, well, what's the point? You know, there's no way. But when they say just today, just do it today, it's like being a procrastinator. Procrastinate about that. Just don't eat it today. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And you know, miraculously, truly miraculously, because I know many of us in this room have given up foods, we never thought we would give up. I mean, you just don't. It's my favorites and I must have, I must have this five times a day and I must have this when I'm driving and this when I'm here. And, and the fact that we aren't dead from crashing, you know, they talk about driving under the influence. Well, <laughs> they, thank God they don't put food in that category because I'm sure, I don't know, I would never try an ice cream cone while driving, but other things are like, and miraculously God has us here for a reason. And maybe the reason is to help other people that are coming along that path. I don't know. But, Oh, something really important. Oh, okay. Abstinence in the food plan. So, we're dealing with a food plan, which then my basic one is three meals a day, some days a snack, some days I have very long days. The greatest proof that how well this program works, I just came back from a week in New York. My, both of my kids live in Brooklyn. Just ironic, because I'm from the Bronx. And, but now Brooklyn is the hip happening place and all, and they're sort of thriving there. And it's great. So we spent, we went to a lot of shows, and I took them to steakhouses. I said, when I'm here, I have red meat, because I know they don't very often. Um, and we just ate well. But I was able to not have to think, to think about food, but not have to go off my plan at all. And a couple of days I got to have street food, which I never do because I don't snack. But if I had like a breakfast at noon and I know I'm going out to dinner after a show at like 10.30, around 5 or 6 o'clock, I can they have gyros, they have things that I eat, you know, lamb or chicken and stuff like that. Stuff that I eat, you know, that's on my abstinence and all. And it was heaven. I said, this is so much fun. I'm not going to start doing it regularly because for one thing, you don't walk in the street here, so I don't have to. But, and I've never gotten into the food trucks. I don't uh, get that. At any rate, the fact that this week was so comfortable and grand, I actually lost maybe half a pound. I lost, but it was a week in New York, you know, a lot of good restaurants and all of that. The point, and also I spent a few years ago, I went, I was in the Peace Corps for like 28 months in the country of Macedonia, the beautiful Republic of Macedonia, which we should all pray for because they're having some problems now with fighting and stuff. Um, fine. At any rate, here I'm in a foreign country. There is no OA, there is no AA there. They eat and drink a lot. That's all. And a lot of them have stills in their basements where they make rakia, which is kind of an extremely strong vodka. And they eat fruits and vegetables. It was the bread basket of Yugoslavia. And the thing is, one, one, I, was, I had lived with a family for a few months, and after a while they get used to that you don't eat this and you don't eat that. At first, well, no, of course you, oh, God, in two languages, and I barely understood the other one. I said, no, 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 it's okay. And then I learned occasions to avoid, and you just play with it, and you, you don't think any of it is the end of the world. I thought, if we we're going to have an international incident, I'm having something, but you know, we never did. And we had Thanksgiving with two countries involved and all, and they said, what are we thanking for? <laughs> Just go with it. Here's a lot of food. We had turkeys flown in. We had all of this stuff. And you know, I mean, they eat. You, I mean, I know there are other countries, I must say, that are a lot more difficult, where their lifestyles and foods are totally different. I happened, fortunately, to be placed in the city. And there was, there was beautiful supermarkets. There was everything. So there was no reason to blow it. And I lost eight pounds in that time because you walk. Like in New York, you walk to get places. Not for fun, not for exercise, not the gym, on a cycle. You walk because you want to get from here to there. You walk. And it's wonderful. Um, so the, the point of it is, it doesn't matter where you are. And sometimes I'd be very hungry. And usually I would have like fruits and nuts or something that I could eat when I knew it was going to be a challenging day. Or it was going to be a very long time beyond my control. 
So then you know that. You just take something with you. If you don't eat it, fine. You bring it home. But in case there's nothing you can eat. And there was one day where I was at the home of my host's parents. And they make this wine. And they have alcohol. We're not allowed to drink the water there because it wasn't like distilled like at the other houses and all. I said, I can't drink the water. I can't drink the juice. It's got sugar in it. I can only drink the alcohol. Because <laughs> I'm not an AA. That was it. I mean, there was no other liquid that I could have. I could have a minimal amount just to keep throat going but that was all but it was really strange that that whole other time for over two years there were always things now if I didn't eat carbs I don't know I would have been dead I mean because it's a part of there but the fruits and vegetables there's so much and healthy foods and chicken and all of that so I have found thanks to this program because before that could have been an excuse to really eat my way through two years and before that traveling would be an opportunity okay I'm traveling I'm in the air it doesn't count you know to eat and all that through the program, I figured out there's 24 hours in a day. It doesn't matter where you are at that time. You still have the same number of meals. If you miss one or you have an extra, you have a smaller one, whatever. But what I don't do is eat what's not on my abstinence. And that's it. And my feeling is that the important thing is how much you consume in a day. And I know some people medically have to have five small meals, whatever you have. If you decide at the beginning of the day, this is what I'm having. So people have trouble with night eating. You know, if I had dinner at 6 o'clock and I'm up till midnight, I'd have trouble too. But if you mix it up, like I'll have half of it now and half at 9 o'clock. Or just have it all later. Lately I've been having lunch at like 2, 2.30, so until later. But it just depends on our lives and we have to be able to live our lives and not be prisoners to food. And food lays there. It's an inanimate object that does nothing. All that matters is what we do with it. So if we're willing to take the effort to take the few minutes to kind of plan the day and plan what I'm going to be eating and take care of ourselves, because who else is going to or who else is responsible for it, you know? Just if you know you're in situations that you have to be in that are not your perfect choices for food. Honestly, I can't think of one that if you don't sit down and think about it, you can't figure out something you can eat or you eat whatever it is, we can deal with it. So, and anyway, my throat's wrapping up and so am I. And I thank you very much. Thank you for asking me. I'm going to sit down now. Now it's the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast, or I'll stay to the after. Um, what is your abstinence and food plan? My abstinence is, the question is, what is my abstinence and food plan? My abstinence is the things that I abstain from, sugars and breads. Now, I do eat things when I realize that yeast becomes sugar and is leavened. It was like a revelation. I do pizza, I have uh, tortillas, flat things that are flat, unleavened. I don't have a dough of a loaf of bread that you can dive into. I don't eat that. My food plan is normally three meals a day. Today I had one of the yogurt thing with blueberries for breakfast. Sometimes I'll have eggs and kind of in a slice of matzah, which is another great thing that sustains me through the year. Um, I'll have uh, if I have. Sometimes I'll have a salad for lunch, but it's got some meat in it or cheese, like a chef's salad, kind of. And sometimes a rice cake. Um, dinners, I'm going to have fish or steak, vegetable, um, usually a carb, which I could sometimes get rid of. Rice or couscous or something along those lines. Sometimes a baked potato or sometimes an ear of corn. 
some I have a glass of wine maybe a few times a week depending on activities and um, and then sometimes I have fruit I have like two fruits a day sometimes in the morning sometimes when I'm out and other times later at night I might have fruits and nuts like I was thrilled to read that almonds and walnuts and all are good for us so in in moderation so I might have a little thing of fruit dried fruits and nuts and um, that's mostly it more about going through the steps when I started back it wasn't quite as regimented as I think it is now it was more you know have you done the first step and the second and you go step by step and you talk about it and obviously where there were actions to be taken the fourth step and fifth all of those you take those actions you write the inventory and you get through it and I know I've done it several times over the years some sponsors will give you a deadline some will get it done when you can. I believe in deadlines because we, we need deadlines. I mean, whether it's weeks or months or whatever it is. Um, and then taking the action. I'm looking through the steps now because also as you get older, the memory gets worse. So I'm reminding myself of them. Uh, you make amends. In some cases, in the shoplifting places, I had to put cash in an anonymous envelope, send it back. And I thought, let them figure out what to do with it. You know, with a note apologizing for 20 years ago, I did this or that. Um, in other cases, you make amends where you can directly. And it's very true that you can't do it when you're going to injure them or others. And sometimes it takes a lot of thinking about it and talking to your sponsor. How can I make my amend without hurting them? And there's always some way you can do something nice for someone else and pay it forward. There's something that we can do to make our amend without hurting somebody else. It takes a lot of thinking about it sometimes and analyzing and praying and all of that. And I do try to personal inventory. And if I think I've done something wrong to hurt somebody, apologize to them, whatever. And sometimes we have to say, no, I didn't do something wrong. You know, if we speak up for ourselves, I don't know if you, but so many of us are used to being fat and jolly. That any time we take a stand, we say, no, I'm not doing that. That's wrong. Or, I don't think you should have done that. I'm not apologizing for it. You know, what you do is, what I do is try to say it. Not in a mean or nasty way or as a command or demand kind of thing, which anyone's back would get up. But just try to do it in as loving a way as I can, sincerely or not, just to try to get your points across without, without being a bitch about it, really, you know. And with sponsees, it's the same thing. It's we're getting them straight on the food plan because I would never throw us when I say, well, you've blown your ass since you've broken it. Whatever. It's day one starting again and working it as long as they're willing to work it and then you just go step by step step through the line you know what do you get out of service? what? what do you get out of service? you feel good you feel good you say hey I'm glad I could give that service because if people didn't give it to me I don't know where I'd be that's the other thing about the program when I realized there was no ceiling I didn't know where I would stop gaining weight. So it's totally selfish. I mean, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me because I don't want to gain weight. Lose some more. Whatever. But, I mean, altruism has become sort of a dirty word, you know. And it shouldn't be. Because you do some things for others because it makes you feel good. It's not a bad thing. I mean, it makes me, it helps me to ensure my abstinence. Thank you. Because I knew there was a lot of self-interest in that, you know, in doing that. Which is fine. Yes. I read my couple of little books. It's like a page in each. It's a daily book. Some days I'll read something from the big book. Sometimes not. I have other books. I went through a meditation course for a while. 
uh, the Oprah Chopra online meditation. It's free, 21 days. And at the end, I felt absolutely no different. But I'm sure it was very nice and that it's a good thing to do. And, and to just stop in the day sometimes when you're stressed. And when, when, some, when something is wrong, you know, you just don't know what it is. And I'm working at home a good bit, you know, on phones and emails and all. And I'll think, was it lunchtime yet? Yeah. Then I'll know I really don't want to make this call or I don't want to do something. I'll get water. I'll get stuff set up, like the table and stuff in there. And then I'll come back. And, but, but basically, every day, like religiously, is the reading in the morning and the praying for a few minutes. The other things are optional. Thinking, which also is hard for me, and relaxing is not one of my top priorities. I have a very small space between relax and sleep, you know. So, I mean, there are some days my office is at home, and I'll go by that bed and I'll say, "Oh, screw it," and just lay down for 20 minutes, you know. Fortunately, I'm a big believer in naps. Naps is a great thing to relax. So I don't know how the program taught me this or life, you know. But usually the answer is take a beat. You know, when you get an you get oh. And the more like this I am, the more I know, take a beat, don't hit that button, you know, just stop. And sometimes it's looking at the big picture. And I think that could help with all of us. You know, we get so caught up in the moment sometimes, more when you were teenagers and young and everything was, no, no, it has to be right now, I have to have this and all. And little by little, as part of abstaining, as part of giving up instant gratification with food, you can do it with other things, you know, and little, you say, okay. How important, and, you, and, and sometimes it is really important. I'm not saying it never is, but many, many, many times it's like, all right, just take a beat and stop, look at the big picture, and God, is that a blessing? Such a blessing. And sometimes you will come up with situations that Alka said, oh my God, like I never would have thought of this. So it's really just taking a beat more than anything. It's just that cool, soothing kind of. All right, and then dealing with it, it helps a lot. Uh, thank you for your share this morning. Uh, could you talk about, um, because you have given up uh, sugar and flour, can you talk about your connection to your higher power or when you saw that possibly that there was a shift uh, or clearing, you know, um, a clearing of the mind or bo- and or body um, when you released that chemical? I think it's when I came back, which is uh, July 3rd, so 22 years past, that at that point, I totally accepted within that I am a compulsive eater and that I have to give these things up one day at a time. And like the sugars, like I buy cereals and all, but yeah, I don't know if you guys read labels. Boy, is that interesting. I mean, all these low-cal calories are like 280 calories with two-thirds of a cup or something. And then you see it's, it's cane sugar, it's organic cane sugar, it's cane syrup, it's variations. If those are in the first four or five, then I don't do it, and then I go below. And there are plenty enough. God knows enough things below there, but sometimes they get really angry at these manufacturers that it's healthy, it's gluten-free, it's trans fat-free, it's this free. What about sugar? They don't mention that, you know? Um, all these, so I've just become a really good reader, and sometimes I need my glasses like to read, and the tiny, tiny print, and I don't think that's an accident, you know? But it's tiny, tiny, because the thing you're going to say, oh, screw it, with Smith. No, you really get mad now. So, it's when I totally accepted being a compulsive eater, and that I couldn't handle these foods, 
within, you know, not just up here, but totally within. I don't know why, but I think it finally happened. I was at my bottom, thoroughly depressed. Everything was kind of wrong. And different people have different bottoms. You know, how bad does it have to get? And for some it's been much worse. And others are, have less tolerance. And sometimes they, they say, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And sometimes they say, well, why do I have to be so strong? Why do I have to be able to handle all of this? Couldn't I be a little weaker? But that's what it just... I wish I could say why or how. I don't know. But it finally... It just clicked. Then I stopped playing. And I was really living it. You know? Hi. Thank you. As... Somebody who has a very busy, active life with a whole bunch of people in it, uh, could you talk, if you've had the experience, I believe you have, of how you might have encountered people who could use the program and if they'd ask you about it, what oh. you then do? Not you push it, I assume. No. But Boy, I'd love to find a way. How do you Absolutely. I tell them about it, where do you live, whatever, here so you can find meetings, you want to come with me to a meeting, where are you? Whatever I can do to help them, I am thrilled. I mean, there's some I know right now that I'm trying to figure out a way to, to bring it up, and I, I haven't. I can't say it. They have a boyfriend whose daughter is, could use it, okay? Oh, she's tried every diet, this and that, and I say, well, if she ever mentions she'd like to try something else, please tell her to call me or something. I can't say it, but oh, God, I wish I could, you know? But oh, I'm thrilled if somebody brings it up. I just, whatever I can do, I mean, wherever they are, whatever makes sense, I'm happy to do. Someone's watching the time, right? Because I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for your share. Um, Thank you. Um, are there times when you forget when you lose sight of the program? Oh. Your grounding? I thought you were going to say, right, if you get to eat. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, um, what do you do in those times, if there are those times, where you lose your grounding in the you get caught up in the moments, you mean? Yeah, like, like that, or that, you know, and, and uh, the program, whatever, whatever you know, something happens, and, and yeah, you forget God, you forget, you know, and, and, and that, that ever happened to you? I'm sure, I'm sure it has, and now I'm trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, something will happen that will bring it back. You know, it's like a gift of God, that if you're in touch with it on a daily basis and all of that, and you're... I'm trying to think of when I have. I mean, like last week was a perfect time because I was constantly with people, this and that, and the feet were hurting and all of these things. And and then at some moment, either you're reaching on the subway or someone will say something. And it just, I think what you do is you prepare yourself every day by taking the steps, by doing your work. So when those moments happen, it's not that far away. And something will bring it back. Something will trigger it. I don't know. When you're totally not thinking about it. You're off doing and I'm running and I'm going and all that. Um, sometimes you'll trip. I also had knee surgery, and they've got a new knee about a year and a half ago. Another great excuse being at home, not going out um, to gain weight, and did because people bringing abstinent foods and all the things that I could eat. And, and so that was fine, and I have no patience. But somehow that went, and it's fine. It just, um, but that's what will happen sometimes. I'll get a knee ache, or I'll get a pain, or something, and it will remind me. Some days I'll be walking, so, so grateful just to have no pain. I know all the youngsters are always like that. Well, enjoy it, you know. And then, and then later on, you'll just say, there's a day you're walking along and nothing hurts. And you say, oh, thank you, God. You know, um, so I think that's it. I think you do the work every day, every day, and you go to meetings and you do all this stuff. So when those times happen, it clicks in somehow. Well, you have to remember one of the key phrases here. Your family can push your buttons. They installed them. 
So it's not easy. And like I know that here in an AA they say leave New Year's Eve for amateurs. For us it's Thanksgiving. Let the amateurs have it, you know. And I cannot tell you how much fun. It almost tastes better than eating the food is watching people begging you to eat it and saying no. Makes them crazy. And they don't believe it. Or watching other people, your family stuffing their faces and stuffing it. Truly, it's more fun and tastier than anything you could eat. You know, you just eat what you can. And it's not the same. And I do eat more than on the normal days and all that. Because I'm not going to be like a paragon of virtue and say, oh, no, no, it's Thanksgiving. It's a day of abstinence for me. I mean, yeah. But, come on, let's, we live in the real world. But things that are on my abstinence are not. I don't care if it's candy canes or pumpkin pie, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant what the foods are. But within the foods I eat, what I can eat, I just try to manage it as best I can and have things that I can have. And most people are fine with it. Most people, fortunately, in L.A. are so self-obsessed, they don't care what you're eating. They're upset what they're eating and what they're doing and what diet they're on. And after you realize that, you stuff is so strange. Like at the beginning, you know, if you're at a restaurant with people and they take the order, well, can I, but I can't have this. And I put that, then leave that off and put a little of that on the side and all of that. After a while, it gets much, much simpler. And you do a lot less explaining because they don't care. Just tell them what you want. They don't need the backstory, you know? I mean, it's really, it's really, it's a really interesting growth process. And once you start on the program, literally the first thing is really you're a bitch. I mean, they're the hardest because you don't have the euphoria of having lost a little weight, you know? But you still have not having. And that's why I think the program works so well, because you can't leave a void. You can't take away the food and say, don't eat it, period, end of story. But you have all these tools, and you have this 12-stepper, which I'm sure you'll get. It's over there. Um, the programs, meetings all over town, all the time, numbers you can call. You have all these tools to use instead of the food, because you need something. It can't just be just a hole in your life with all those hours spent and gone away. So it works. Okay. You know, my first reaction right away is want to say losing weight, which of course is a major, there's no question. That's why I'm here, that's why I came here. But the other overarching, when I was in my kids in New York last week, and I've made amends in the past, and I said, I really want to make amends to you guys when I wasn't on the program. And I would come into the house, left work early, came home, and walk in the door, and they were laughing and talking, and I said, God, I ran out of the office and came here early because we have to go somewhere, and you guys were sitting around. I don't know, maybe I would do that now. I don't know. But it would upset me. And other occasions, I'm sure, when my priorities were maybe warped and stuff, it's gotten me a much clearer head in terms of what is important and what really is it. And I know that wouldn't have happened without, for one thing, abstaining from compulsive eating. Because when you're shoveling food inside, it's all about you, you know? So thank God for that part. It was absolutely the, the key, the main thing. But it really helped so much in um, relations with family and friends. Just looking more at the other person. Just before I spout out what I'm saying, to think for a minute how I'm going to feel hearing that. You know, and where they're coming from. And, and it's not always like giving in or saying yes to everything. It's just you present things in a different way. Maybe more palatable, pardon the expression. Um, it's just things that, that you can handle better, that are not obnoxious, totally. You know? I think that that's it, really. It's relations as human beings. Um, what is the most important thing you've had? There are a couple of newcomers here that you would tell them as they walk out of the room after their first meeting. Thank you. The newcomers. Get the 12-steppers and all of that. 
and give it time. Go, man, my message may not relate to you at all. Try to go to at least six meetings tomorrow, wherever you can, whenever you can. It's not a rule. There are no rules. We don't tell each other what to do. We just tell each other to be honest with ourselves, which is the key. When we say what foods we can eat, what we can't eat, I'm not your copy or monitor. You tell me what you want to do, and I'll help you stay with it. But it's your determination, which is why I think it works, because we don't give you, here's your food plan. You know, and we don't tell, because most of us, we don't like to be told what to do. But you tell me what you're going to do, and I'll just help you stay on that path and be honest. And that's the whole point, really, of phone, calling in the food and writing it down. Writing it down is a great help. Sometimes you just start, like, for the next day, just write it down, either in the morning, then maybe you check it at night and see how close you stayed, or if you perfect, or write it down at the end. But just becoming conscious, that's the main thing, of coming to this meeting. Please do your best to come to, like, half a dozen at least, because you're going to hear something. Don't leave before the miracle, you know? And one day something will click and that really hits you here. If it did already, great. But if not, just give it that much time. You already wasted an hour, you know? You might as well give it a few more hours and just give it a shot and see. And, and I hope you'll find um, that it works. You know? Thank you. Thank you. Okay.